Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. Pastor Marty is not with us today. He is, and he, or probably in the air right now, but he and his bride, uh, Debbie, uh, left this morning on an airplane to go and enjoy a vacation in Hawaii, more specifically Maui. Um, they have a timeshare there that they go to about every two years, so it's that's that two-year mark, and so they've headed out this morning, enjoying that. Uh, I, I, I think the guy in the corner there had no idea he'd be, his backside would be in church services you know, in Santa Clarita the whole morning. So there you have it. Uh, but would you be praying for them? I don't know about you. Sometimes you go on vacation and you have these grand old plans and then sometimes stuff happens. It just ruin it all. And uh, if you get together with Pastor Marty, he has, unfortunately has a lot of those stories. Wouldn't you say, Pastor Rachel? Lord, like, talk about it. It's like, dude, it's complicated. Like, what's going on, right? But would you be praying for him? We don't just want to acknowledge it and go, hey, yeah, the, you know, they've gone on vacation. Uh, but pray that there would be a time of rest, a time of refreshing, and just enjoying uh, some, some needed time. Uh, as I said, they go every couple of years to do this, and so that it would be fun for them. What that means is Pastor Marty is not here today, but he's also not going to be here next Sunday, but we'll be returning on the 8th uh, to start a brand new series that you're not going to want to miss. So good stuff. But what that means, you're stuck with me for two weeks. So, so some of you know me. Some of you are like, who is this dude? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. If you, can you t- trust the bald head? I don't know. Um, balds are good. Right, my friend? That's right. That's right. But I get to be with you, and I'm excited because I, uh, you typically see me over here playing drums. That's, you know, I do that sometimes on Sunday mornings. I'm also involved with a lot of other uh, aspects of our church function, but uh, I get to be here. I get to share with you, and this week and next week in particular, I'm sharing on a subject. Uh, I'm calling this series, At What Cost? Uh, some, some subjects that I believe are not only needed and necessary, but I believe they apply to this day and age in a very specific fashion. So, but I got to warn you uh, about something here. I'm going to get really real, really real, but I'm also going to get really, really practical. And so uh, we've referenced the app. We also have this in your bulletin if you prefer it, but I'm not going to suggest you take notes. I'm going to tell you, take notes, take notes. Uh, and the reason being is that I, I, my hope is that you'd have some aha moments. You'd be inspired this morning. But more importantly than being inspired, I want you to perspire with something that you can take into the future and go, okay, so what does that mean for me in my everyday life? And so I'm going to get real. I'm going to get real practical. So you ready? Yep. All right, let's pray first. Father God, thank you that we get to do this. And I'll just speak for my own life as a pastor, a practitioner of uh, things called ministry. It's easy to come to a Sunday morning and just do this thing called church and check the box and 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 it's just this thing we kind of do and yeah, what what do we got today? And it can become very rote and very common. But Lord, anytime we have the opportunity to get in your word and to take in truth is an opportunity for us to consider our own lives and allow you to have entrance and for us to look more like you. And when I read in scripture about the disciples 
uh, because of the time they spent with you, when they were apart from you, people would come up to them and said, we can tell you've been with Jesus. I pray that that would be the mark of our lives, that we would be seen as a people, uh, not perfect, definitely works in progress, but people would say, you've been with Jesus. And so this morning, we get to be with you, we get to be together, but may we not simply do church or do a service, but may we walk away having taken in something of value, something that we uh, might be able to walk with and see a, a tangible impact in our lives. So we pray this in your precious name, amen. So recently I've had some work done on my house. I don't know about you. Uh, houses get tired. I hate that, to be honest with you. It's like, are you kidding me? It's the gift that keeps on giving or taking. I don't know which one that is, but my home was built in the late 80s and because of where we are now, stuff just gets tired. And so as I was staying there, uh, a number of months ago, I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, man, that's dry rot, uh, you know? Okay, oh, man, the, the paint's starting to flake off. Oh, my gosh, the stucco's starting to come off on this wall. And my, my HVAC was, like, holding on by a thread. And, you know, I, there's this stuff going on, and, and I don't know if you have this. Uh, my, my single-paned windows, you could actually bend them. <laughs> You're like, that, that shouldn't be happening, right? And so, like, there's just stuff I needed to do and get to, because if I didn't get to them, they were going to become a bigger problem. And so I was like, all right, I got to do this. So I refinanced, pulled a little bit of money out of the equity, and we're like, okay, I got to tackle these projects. In fact, John, right here on the front, you helped me connect me with some amazing people to, to partner uh, with me in that, that endeavor. Because these weren't things that I could do on my own. These weren't DIY, do-it-yourself stuff. This was like complicated. And uh, because my HVAC had to be overhauled, the roof got, had to be worked on, you know, upgrading the double-pane windows, you know, all, just all that stuff. But a good number of the jobs were marked by a common practice, and it was this, tearing out the old to install the new. And with each project phase and watching it all happen, something repeatedly stood out to me. Demolition and construction are radically different, and not just for the obvious reasons. So allow me to elaborate, and I'm going to have some fill-ins for you. So I mentioned we're going to get really practical. I want to encourage you, take notes. You got your app, and I got a lot of fill-ins, y'all. So don't get tired. Trust me, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to walk away and go, okay, this is good. I, 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 can, I, can, I can use this. I'm not just getting busy writing here. But it's going to start off with this. Let me elaborate on how demolition and construction are radically different. First, demolition is super quick. It only has a few steps. Whereas construction be, can be painstakingly slower in comparison because it almost always has multiple steps that have to happen in a particular order and often bring inconveniences with the waiting, right? The demolition, it's fast. It's fast. And it's super, you know, it's super quick. It gets done pretty fast, but the construction takes longer. Now, I didn't have my kitchen redone, but for those of you who've had a kitchen redone, you're like, can I please start to use my kitchen again, right? There's a lot of madness before it gets good. And so it's just inconvenient. But that demolition, getting that old stuff from your kitchen out, that was quick. But the construction, not so much. All right, the second point is demolition is typically simple. Just tear it down and get it out. Whereas construction is complex, involving a design and the execution of a plan, especially if you want it to turn out like you hope it will, what you intend the end results to be, right? Demolition is simple, just tear it out, get it out, right? Those of you in the trades, you might say, dude, it's not that simple. However, as compared to the construction side of things, which is a lot more complex, it is very simple. Thirdly, demolition usually doesn't require much precision. You just swing in the general direction. Whereas construction, I know I got a, I got a laugh from Mike Stevenson, who helps keep this campus beautiful. I know, it's a, there's a little more to it, but um, 
Anyway, but you, you know, Dajou doesn't take much precision. You just swing in the general direction where construction almost always demands attention to detail or you pay for it later with time, money, pain, or all the above. Lastly, demolition is messy with debris falling and flying every which way, whereas construction involves purposed prep and cleaning of the workspace or you get a pretty nasty finished product. So right, now, right about now, you might be going, where in the world are we going with all this demolition, construction bit? I promise I'm going to bring it home here and, and make it all make sense. But you may also be thinking, and I know this is true of those who I, I'm going to trust love me because they often tell me this. I can tend to overthink things. I'm just one of these guys. I love to analyze. I love to get in and dive deep on stuff. But when it came to the construction of my home, I was, all kinds of things were going through my brain. And in fact, uh, some, a lot of what you're hearing today was a blog that I wrote for the church back in December because almost so, so much of this was going through my brain at the time. But so as I was thinking about it, it got me thinking about something else, and that is communication. Communication. You know, how we relate to the world around us. And, and I'm not just talking about what we put out there, but more importantly, what is understood and set in motion by what we express. Think about it. Your conversations, your Facebook posts, your comments, your tweets, your reviews. I looked at all kinds of reviews, Yelp reviews, uh, uh, Home Depot reviews when I was working on my home and seeing that work done because I want to see what what got out there. That's all part of uh, communication. But going back to you, your conversations, your Facebook posts, your comments, your tweets, your reviews, what are they characterized by? Are they characterized by demolition or construction? And as you're thinking about that, I want you to consider the following questions. Are you prone to ranting and or venting? Number two, do you find yourself having to explain or clean up what you've said with, I know, I shouldn't have said that or posted that, but I was just so frustrated and angry. Besides, someone had to say something. How about this one? Are you known for or do you pride yourself on having to prove a point? Here's another. It's awfully quiet in here, actually. I don't know. Do you find yourself arguing with people on social media, preferring to call it debate? I was just debating them. I wasn't arguing. I was just debating. How about this one? Are you passionate and vocal about your opinions, making sure most people know exactly where you stand on things, particularly in comparison to where they stand on the matter? How about this one? Do you enjoy publicly exposing disproving, correcting, refuting what you believe to be wrong thinking, beliefs, positions, etc. About this one, when something or someone frustrates you or hurts you or angers you, do you commonly share about it in a public way? How about this one? When facing a situation that is frustrating, upsetting, or disappointing, do you find yourself reacting versus responding? If any or some of the above rings a bell, I submit your communication might be, I'll say that, might be in the demolition column. And I know that word demolition is pretty extreme. But is it? And that's what I want us to wrestle with today. Is it? Ask yourself, really ask yourself, what is the nature of my communication accomplishing? What are the results of what I express in general or have expressed historical? What has happened with the things you have shared? or spoken, or put on social media? What's been the result? 
I often meet people all the time. They'll go, you know, I just, I just needed a comment. I need to get in there and mix it up a little because, you know, I just really want to impact people for the good. And I usually ask yourself, well, did good play out? <laughs> or do you have a lot more people who are just jumping on the bandwagon with you to, to lay into somebody else? I'm not sure the outcome you wanted is actually playing out. Or if the people you're actually trying to reach are not the people who are commenting, you're just in a, an echo chamber with a bunch of others. Are things, people, situation, situations you enhanced more meaningful, better because of what you share? Or are the things ending up in a bigger mess, a pile of rubble stacked with increased pain, further fractured relationships, perpetuated anger, or alienated connections? And I know that's big stuff. So consider some of the more subtle possibilities that you might not even be aware of, like this. People afraid to go beyond surface level with you, fearing things will blow up. How about this? Individuals hoping you don't find your way over to their social media feed to share your take. Trust me, I've got those, those folks. And yes, they are my friends on Facebook, but I'm like, please don't be my friend right now because when you come over to my page, it just gets really ugly. And then I'm in that debate of like, do I unfollow them? Do I defriend them? And then I'm like, well, then now that's going to get all complicated. But I'm like, but it's complicated, yo, when you show up. I don't know why I want you in my house. You know, it's, uh, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a, a warm and friendly environment where we can share life and pictures and photos and wonderful stuff. But you, you make it very tricky. Of course, I'm referring to the collective them out there. Uh, but how about this? People not knowing what version of you they're going to get, so they prefer you at arm's length. Is any of this your experience? Or is any of this something you have experienced? Here's a question. Does the demolition shoe seem to be fitting? And you might say, well, no, you know, no, I don't think the shoe that you've been describing fits me. I'm not characterized by that. Okay, well, let me reword it. How about a shoe? You know, the pair you pull out every once in a while when you're in a particular mood or headspace. It might even be a whole outfit you reserve for special moments. You're like, I'm not characterized by it, but man, in that special moment, I love to get that, the, that pair of shoes out, that outfit, because I'm about to light you up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you just reserve it for that little moment. You may not be characterized. You may be excusing yourself, but you're like, oh, yeah, every once in a while. And I see my bride here and my middle daughter. Uh, my version of this so that you don't think that Pastor Jonathan's standing up here and like bringing on the big heavy. My version of, of this that I'm not proud of, the shoe that sometimes I put on, the outfit I put on, is I get intense. And I'll get home and I can see the look in my wife's eye, I can see the look in my daughter's eyes and they look at me and it's like, dude, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> and it's not like, like a lighthearted thing, I get it. And then my wife, because she's an amazing person, will be like, Jonathan, you're like way intense. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and then I'm like, I think I am by the way I just responded to you, right? So I'm not exempt from this. But here's the complicated thing. If you're still wondering, you're like, yeah, I don't know, Pastor Jonathan. You may be talking to all these other people here, but I don't know if you're talking to me. Um, there's a good possibility that you are just not even aware of it. Ask your family and your friends, your coworkers, the people who live life along with you, and they'll tell you if this applies to you. I challenge you. I triple dog dare you. Ask them. <laughs> they will, I'm telling you, they, they, will, they will share. Um, 
Either way, if the demolition shoe seems to be fitting or it looks like it might be in your shoe collection, here's the thing, you're not alone. You guys, we all face this on some level. Maybe some more than others. Um, but we are not alone. And the reason being is, is that my sense is that demolition is just plain easier. Darn it. It's just easier, demolition, and often our most natural reaction. And I want to uh, compile a couple of reasons here for you, hearkening back to the list that I gave you earlier. It's this. I think it's, it's the natural reaction because, one, it's super quick. It only has a few steps. It's unfortunate. But getting toxic with what you say and how you say and, and how you respond, it's just too easy. It only has a few steps. Number two, it's typically simple. Just tear it down and get it out. And I don't know about you, demolition, um, people get kind of get, there's like a giddy joy that they get when they're demolishing things, right? You know, for those of you who've done it in your house, you're like, yeah, you know, when do you get to do this, right? I also think that sometimes there's a, there's a, there's a dark side to us that we enjoy that demolition as well when it comes to things we post and things we say. It feels good to get that little dig in. And then you kind of feel stupid after. You're like, yeah, I don't know how, how, if that was right, the right move. But in the moment, it's just simple. How about this one? It usually doesn't require much precision. You just swing in a general direction, right? You can just, you can just be messy with it. You can, just, you can just throw it out there. How many times have you seen public figures that should know better? Uh, names will not be mentioned here. Uh, who just say the, the worst stuff, and then later on they're like, deleted it, and you're like, how, why, why did you put that online? They're like, well, yeah, I was just really upset. And you're like, really? How about this one? As in the case of home demolition, this, this tendency for it to be a natural reaction is, is, is because it's messy. It, it looks just like the demolition. You know, debris is falling and f- flying everywhere, every which way because of just the messiness of it all. But here's the question. Is this what we really want? Is that where we want our communication to lead us? Our tongue is powerful. Spoken or written, what we express determines two very significant things, our direction and our destinations. Our direction and our destinations. I love what the Bible shares on this subject in James chapter three. It's a passage that maybe you're familiar with, but I want to look at it with maybe fresh eyes in a, in a, in a, in a particular fashion this morning. And it reads this, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge tip ship, excuse me, turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Notice in that scripture, the two words, turn and to go. That rudder, that little piece on, on, on a boat, on a ship, can do that. And the same thing is true of our tongue. And, and for, for all intents and purposes, it's not just what we say with our mouth, but it's also what we express with what we write and what we post, those kinds of things. In the end, the effectiveness of our communication is evaluated and proven by what it produces and sets in motion. Let me repeat that. The effectiveness of our communication is evaluated and proven by what it produces and sets in motion. Now, often I'll hear people make the comment, you know, when I said such and such, I didn't mean that, or, you know, I can't help that such and such played out. That's not what I meant to have happened or wanted. And they make such comments believing that the litmus test for effective communication is judged by what is said, written, and expressed, 
but I would submit to you they are very, very wrong. Effective communication is truly judged by what is understood by what is said, written, expressed, the result. And me being the guy who likes to think about a lot of things and analyze things, trust me, on any given Sunday morning, Pastor Martin and I have been working together for a long, long time. In fact, next Sunday, I will celebrate 19 years here. And in those 19 years, there's been a whole lot of communication that's been done from here, from our social media channels, even our app. And at times, me being me, but also what God has called me to here as, uh, as executive pastor in my role, I'm constantly wrestling with, I know we said that, but was that understood? There's a big difference. Interestingly enough, I love asking this question of teachers. I'll go to a teacher and I'll say, hey, what got you into teaching? And they'll say, some of them will say, I love to teach. I'm like, all right, cool. Every once in a while, you'll get a teacher who says, you know what got me into teaching? I love to help people learn. Now, both are great answers. Nothing wrong with those answers. But the first one focuses on the delivery mechanism. The other one is what did that delivery mechanism actually set in motion? Learning. And I would submit to you, the, the teachers you've had in your life that have had the most impact is because they were concerned about you learning. They were concerned about what you understood, not just what they were delivering to you. That's the true litmus for communication. So what do you want? What's gonna take you in the right direction, aid you in the pursuit of desired destinations, outcomes you are hoping for? Because you have hopes, right? It's not like one day you're like, you know what, I think I'm gonna alienate people today, make them frustrated, <laughs> and I, I'm gonna pick some fights. It'll be, it'll be pretty cool. No one does that. They have hopes of what they think they're going to do in their day-to-day including their communication, but we, we can hope for things and ruin it all by in the execution. If we're gonna make a change, I submit it starts with taking hard, a hard and honest look at how and what we communicate. And if change is needed and truly wanted, then you're going to have to make changes, congregation. And I mentioned earlier, we're gonna get super practical, so here we go. I submit the following for your consideration. So I have a few more fill-ins here. Because demolition is super quick and construction isn't, slow down. Slow down. When you are feeling hungry, angry, lonely, and or tired, and if you take the first letters of those words, you get the word halt, stop. Right? When you're hungry, or maybe better put hangry, right? Or if you're angry, or if you're lonely or tired. Some of us have the gift of self-awareness. It's a life skill, but lots of people don't. And there's something to be said about recognizing that when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, when you're tired, you tend to make poor decisions. And that's on the benign level. On the more extreme level, you could destroy your life as a result. But there's something about knowing yourself and going, you know what? When I'm in that, in that, in that mode, I'm not, I don't know that I'm good for myself or good to others. And in those moments, you have to choose to be quiet and refrain from venting verbally and or posting to social media. Extra time often helps in getting calibrated. Here's another one. Because demolition is typically simple and, con- and construction isn't, have a plan. Have a plan. What are some values and practical guidelines for the way you want to communicate? Write them down and keep them handy on your cell phone as a reminder of what and how you want to express yourself, what you want to build with your communication. Now, I know that sounds totally type A. You're like, are you serious? Do you want me to make it like a list on my phone? I guess it depends on, 
And the, the title of this series uh, this week and next week is At What Cost? Is what has your communication cost you? If it has been expensive, you better start writing a plan. You need a plan. You need to take some time and articulate the better way because the definition of insanity, you've heard it a thousand times, right, is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. If you're going to get different results, you're gonna have to do things differently. And that different oftentimes requires you to be very, very practical. If then, if this happens in my life, I'm then going to do this. For some of you, you're going to be really specific about that in your life. And that includes maybe putting something as practical as that information into your phone. Because demolition usually doesn't require much precision and construction, here's the next one. Pay attention to detail. Recognize that the words you use matter. The precision of your words, the tone of your communication, the terminology you choose, these are the tools set in motion by your choices that demolish or construct. We all have a tone, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. When you walk into a room, you bring your vibe. You, you know it. For those of you who live in a household, right? When someone in the family walks in the door and is present, depending on the time of day or any set of circumstances, there is a tone that they bring to the table. There's a climate. There's a weather system. What do you bring to wherever you go? What is your climate? What is your weather system? What are you known for? Do you enhance or detract from the nice weather in people's lives? You need to pay attention. Here's another one. Because demolition is messy and construction requires purposed prep and straightening up, here's my recommendation. Clean things up. Get radically committed to ridding your communication of toxic factors like sarcasm, cynicism, derogatory words or cuss words, being dogmatic, which is a fancy word for like saying this is the way it is, being judgmental, using stereotypes, you know, etc. Clean it up. I've actually heard people say this. You know what? Uh, I have the gift of cynicism or sarcasm. <laughs> I kid you not. I've probably heard that in the last several years, maybe five to 10 times from people. And I go, you know what? You're like, because they're like, I just think it's funny. I'm like, you're the only one who thinks it's funny. Or maybe you're the collection of the few sarcastic people in your life. But I, I would venture to say, people don't enjoy that about you. Men are classic for this, all right? I'm gonna like, I'm gonna out the men here. Men have a tendency, I've noticed, if they, they meet you for the first time or they're hanging out with you for just a little bit of time, they'll, they'll pick something about you, the low-hanging fruit where they can kind of like, picks out something that is kind of funny or goofy about you and they like to make fun of you because they don't know what to do with the awkwardness of getting to know some of the vulnerability. And sometimes I get around guys and they'll just, they'll, they'll take a jab at me. I'm like, bro, you don't know me. And, and I look and I go, Does, do they actually think this is going to build a bridge? Like, they're not gonna, this, that's not how it works. Because they're uncomfortable with the vulnerability of, you know, of, of creating friendships. I'm not saying this is true every, every man out there, but I just notice it out there. It's kind of a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. Lastly, with all the above, we can't be the best version of ourselves without trusted others. So here's my last one. Get real and get help. Find a true friend who, one, can be, brutally, you, can be brutally honest with you, and two, who you can be brutally honest with. Often, we are terrible at assessing ourselves and just as terrible at changing ourselves. We need trusted others to be the best version of who God created us to be. 
And here's my recommendation. Make them a favorite in your cell phone contacts and your calendar. Reach out to them. Get together with them. You need their feedback and accountability. We need people who are going to fight with us and fight against us at the right time. Or put another way, a faithful friend doesn't stab you in the back, they stab you in the chest. They're the people who get in your, in your grill and go, hey, that's not cool. Why are, you, why are you like that? I know what you say you want, and this is not the way that's going to come together, and that's not, way, that's not the way it's going to happen. And see, here's the thing. Sometimes, because we're so close to ourselves, we can't see what is actually playing out. One of my uh, favorite styles of painting is what's called pointillism. Pointillism is a style of painting that's just a bunch of little dots. Instead of brush strokes, they're little dots. And if you go to the Norton Simon Museum in Pasadena, they have a very well-known painting that's like an outdoor scene with women with umbrellas. It looks like something kind of regal, but it's this large painting. And if you get really close, it's all these tiny little dots. And if you're this close, you can't see what the painting is. But if you step back, you actually see the full picture. I would submit to you that your friends are looking at the big picture of your life and they're seeing it in totality, maybe clearer than you see yourself because you're this close. We need people who are gonna step back and go, "Um, you gotta fix that and I love you enough to tell you. Remember what James said, our tongues are a tiny spark that can set a great forest on fire. When the fire starts to spark up, and trust me, it will, you're going to need help to douse it out. It's worth it. People are worth it. Relationships are worth it. Your influence, your impact is worth it. Your hopes are worth it. There's a lot on the line. And I would even go as further to say that even the good news of who Jesus Christ is, is worth it. Because we can sometimes love Jesus, but not project that very well. I'm not asking you to be irrelevant and I'm not asking you to be irreverent. Those are the polarity. Let's be relevant in this world, but let's be good people and let's have an impact, but understand that that impact is made known by what we put out there. Scripture says this, you know, man looks at the outward appearance. People can't tell what's going on in your heart. They can only tell what's on your face and what's coming out of your mouth. And it's radically important. There's so much at stake. And for that reason, church, Family, I submit that when it comes to what and how we communicate, our intentions need to be matched by our attention. What you intend is made possible by what you attend. Let me repeat that. What you intend is made possible by what you attend. Let me put it another way. If you aren't attending to things, caring for, you probably won't get what you intend, what you're hoping for. If you aren't attending to the things caring for, you probably won't get what you intend, what you're hoping for. So I want to ask you, what about your communication needs attention? Now, I titled today's teaching, Mind Your Sharing Before Sharing Your Mind. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? That is minding what you share. Are you poor at it and it shows? Maybe you're good most of the time, but man, when it goes bad, it goes really bad. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't think any of us are immune. We're all capable. Now, as we prepare to go in a time of worship through song, I'm going to invite the worship team to come on in. I don't just want to just move on with things. I know I've said some things. Some of it's been humorous. Some it's been pretty direct. I know it's kind of heavy, kind of practical, but I don't want to just move on. And I love what James chapter one says. It's a scripture maybe you're familiar with. 
says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. And my guess, especially because you guys are the, the slightly later crowd than the 830, before you came to church this morning, there's a good chance you glanced in the mirror to see what needed attention before you headed out, right? You looked in the mirror and you're like, ooh, I gotta fix that, right? Chances are, right? It would have been absurd for you to look in the mirror and do nothing about what you saw. It's the same thing with church. Same thing with looking at truth, the word. It's a mirror, and we have to consider how we look. And in reflecting on our reflection, we need to ask ourselves, congregation, does our communication need some attention? Do we need to adjust it a little bit? And if that's the case, I, I want to call us to action. I want to call us to action. First, Please take what has been articulated here this morning, some of the practicals, and implement it into your life. But also this morning, we have an opportunity. We're going we're gonna to sing some songs, songs written by authors, and they're, we're going to use their words to express our love and our, our feelings and our sense of things to God. But as you do that, would you be willing to do what Jesus suggested in the New Testament? He said, I came for those who don't believe, I didn't come for the people who believe they're already good enough. I came for those who needed a physician. And I don't know what, to what degree this impacts you, but if you're in need of God's intervention, you're like, God, I need you to come in. Or, or here's another one. Maybe you've been the recipient of the demolishing. You would invite God in and say, Lord, that's me. That's me. There's a danger, congregation. Sometimes with stuff like this, church, we come in and we sit in services and we, our awareness is expanded. We're like, ooh, I haven't thought about that. And we make the mistake that because we've had awareness, we've seen progress. Awareness is great, but it's what you do with the awareness that makes it lasting and profound. So this morning, I've mentioned some things, but if, if this is you, if you've been in in this subject and you find yourself there and you're like, yeah, that's me. Would you be willing to have the courage to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me on some level. Anybody? I'm going to raise my hand. Right? We're going to go into a time of worship. I'm going to pray in just a moment. Would you take that hand and lift your other hand and let's ask God, putting our hands up, I think of my five-year-old daughter, unabashedly when she wants my attention and needs something from me, she just comes to me and says, like, hey, bring it on. Can we ask God Bring it on, God. I come to you. Would you pick me up? Because I've been making a mess of stuff or I've been made a mess of. Would you care for me, guide me, shape me into who you want me to be in the loving way that you do? So let's pray. Father God, if that's you, raise you both your hands, including uh, out in the courtyard tent. I know it's kind of weird. You're looking at a screen out there, but do it anyway because it matters. Father God, we come before you. We submit ourselves to you. We don't want to just look in the mirror and move on. We want to see the truth and we want to respond and we want to say, Lord, please come in. Do a work in my heart. Do a work in my life. Help me to be a better communicator. Help me to get real and also to get practical. But I now set aside this time and I ask that you would come and minister to me, to us. Would you change us that we might, having spent time with you, look more like you because of that invitation and that permission that we're yielding to you this morning. So we pray these things in your precious name. Amen.